Welcome to the Disciples Dialogue, where believers celebrate their commonalities, share their testimonies, and edify the body of Christ. Each episode contains healthy conversations between Brother Jill and a guest speaker. Thanks for joining the Disciples Dialogue. All right, welcome back to the podcast, episode number five. We are so glad that you're here with us today, and I'm excited again to be recording another episode. I've got with me a great guest, uh, really excited about today's uh, episode here with me today. I've got uh, a friend, a brother in the church, Brother Caleb Blake. Welcome to the podcast, Brother Caleb. It's good to be here, man. So today, um, I've asked Brother Caleb, um, we've been trying to get this on, scheduled now a couple of times, but we finally got together. We're sitting here. We're probably tired. We've had a full day today. We had a wedding uh, that we just got out of. Um, men's we attended men's breakfast this morning. It's been a full day of, of kingdom work, but it's been a good day. And I'm just grateful that we can get together and sit down and talk about the Lord now for a minute. So to anyone who doesn't know Brother Caleb Blake, um, Brother Blake, why don't you just introduce yourself and, and let the listeners know who you are and where you come from. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I came from Whitfield, Virginia my whole life. I never really was interested in God. I was raised in a church or raised in a church family and was never had a firm foundation, so I was entered in a temptation every chance I got. Mm. It just took me a while to realize what I needed to do. Okay. So from Whitfield, Virginia, you was born and raised there, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Now, I'm going to be asking Brother Blake several questions. And, and just for anyone who's listened to future episodes, my first episode, um, the God of the beginning or the, the God of the old and the new with Brother Jesse Blake. That's your dad. Yeah, that's right. So uh, the first episode that we had, the first uh, lesson we had was with Jesse Blake. That is Caleb Blake's dad. Um, and that was a great episode that we had. But today we're talking to you and I wanted to give you an opportunity because you've not been in the church very long. Is that right? About two months almost now. Yeah. Okay. A couple of months. So uh, fresh perspective, right? Uh, a fresh set of eyes coming into the church. And I was very excited um, I've already talked to your dad about it, and I, I was like, "Man, I, I really want to get uh, your son on the on the podcast, and I would love to hear from a new convert your perspective on how things happened and how God got a hold of you, and uh, a little bit of your story." Um, and so, with that, today's episode is going to be uh, about uh, you know a new conversion, uh, coming to God from obviously a life of sin and. Uh, probably a crazy life. I can imagine that you had a, a very similar background to what I have had and many others who will listen to this podcast have had. And so we want to give all glory to God today and, and thank him for the change that's taken place. Uh, and it's a daily, it's a daily change. We're continually becoming more like him and less like the world. And so with that, um, I know that you told us you're from Withville, um, but tell us a little bit about how, how you came into the church and your relationship with the church and, and kind of what that's looked like throughout your life and what led you to where you are right now. Well, three months ago, I was sitting on my bed in my room. That was when I was, it was BC when I was living crazy. Sitting on my bed, 
bawling my eyes out, had a shotgun in my hands. Mm. And I was literally just wanting to end it all. I didn't have any purpose. Wow. Didn't know what I wanted to do with life. And since then, something just told me not to do it. And wow. for the next three weeks after that, Gate City Conference was going on. And uh, Julie, my dad's wife, mm-hmm. she's like, Caleb's coming. I don't care what he says. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> she ain't going to tell me what to do. <laughs> but that was just me being ornery. Yeah. And I went there and got the Holy Ghost, started speaking in tongues, and it's just been uphill from there. I got baptized. Man. God has really brought me a long way. That's incredible. In in a short time, I would say. Within a month, all that happened. Within a month, you went from Being wanting suicidal. to take your life yes, sir. to giving your life over to God. Not wanting anything to change. My goodness. God is so good. He right? saved me before I was even doing anything for him. That's amazing. You know, and that's one of the, the great things that... Anyone with um, anyone who would be honest uh, and people who really understand what God has done for them would would acknowledge that and understand that God does not wait on us to get cleaned up before we come to Him. He wants us the way that we are. I know, and and so that's that is an incredible uh, incredible testimony to go from wanting to end it all to giving your life over to God, him filling, filling you with the gift of the Holy Ghost and being baptized, being obedient to the, to the scriptures. And so God has definitely got a plan for your life. There's no doubt in my mind. And so with that, we'll talk a little bit about that and expound a little bit more um, on your story uh, because I think that there is a great potential for new converts and people who are lost, maybe people who uh, are feeling some of the same feelings that you were feeling when you wanted to end it all. Maybe yeah. they will be listening to this episode one day and and you can shed some hope and some light. That's um, what I'm hoping for, really. Amen. Amen. So let me ask you, what were your feelings towards the church during this time of your childhood and even three, six months ago when you were wanting to take your life? How did you view the church? Well, I never really was against it. I just knew that I was living wrong and was sort of ashamed to even show my face in church. Because mm. within the past couple of years, I'd been to this church a couple of times, and mm-hmm. I just never really, I never wanted to change. Right. So I didn't change, and I never really was against it at all. Okay. So you wasn't, you didn't have a hatred for the church. Not at all. Okay. And some people deal with that. Some people, you know, hate the church and hate preachers. I was like that. I hated the church at a, at a time in my life. I hated every preacher that ever existed. I didn't trust any of them, and so... Um, that's good that you didn't have to deal with that hatred and, and check that. Um, but you said something, you were ashamed. Yeah, I was ashamed. You were ashamed of your, of yourself, your life. I was because everybody here knew me and knew, knew my dad because he was coming to church all the time. He's like the main person ahead of everybody except Joey yeah. and you, but yeah. Yeah. So I would say, I would imagine, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would say that that puts a lot of pressure to when your dad is a, a minister, is very much used by God in the church, and then for them to look at his son and, and see how lost and how broken, how undone and that you are. Yeah. Uh, and so I would say that's a lot of pressure. It took Dad two years of telling me every time I was at work, you need to come to church, you need to come to church. Wow. And I was always just, I can't wait to get off to get high. Yeah. That's all it was. I always wanted to smoke weed. For years, i just done Xanax, Coke, anytime I got the chance. Wow. So you was heavy into drugs. Yeah. Okay. Any issues with, with drinking? Did you ever get yeah, into drinking? anytime I had a chance. Yeah. Wow. It's wow. because I never had a firm foundation. I fell on a temptation every time it was around. Wow. 
So get back to the question. You, you don't, you didn't hate the church, which that's, that's amazing uh, that you didn't have that, you know, cause a lot of people take their feelings and their, their shame and they have to pin it on something else yeah. uh, rather than looking in the mirror. Um, they try to say, well, oh, it's the church's fault or, oh, it's my family's fault that I'm this way. And, and so I'm, I'm glad to hear that you didn't hate the church. Um, so how, let me ask you this. How did you feel when your dad would bring up church and invite you to church? I would just be annoyed, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't against it, but I was just still like, I'm not coming to church. <laughs> you wanted to, you was happy doing what you were doing. Yeah. Right. Just living in repeat every day. Wow. Living in repeat every day. Every day was the same. and It wasn't getting any better. Wow. I want that to sink in for a second. That's to me, that reminds me of my past brother, brother Blake, that, um, I've never said it like that, but I really like the way that you say that I was, you were living in repeat. It was the, the same thing every day. Nothing changed the same problems, the same, uh, aggravation, the same drugs, the same, you know, it was much of the same all yeah. the time. And that was uh, very true for my, my testimony as well. My, my history as a child was always just more of the same and, and nothing changed. And, but, you know, recently we've heard it said like this, Jesus changes everything. He really does. He really does. He changes everything. And so, uh, but wow. Yeah, living a life in repeat, uh, but then all of a sudden the Lord steps in and says, oh, I've got something greater for you. Two months before I even got saved, I quit weed. And I don't know what it done. I mean, I was living, I was happy living how I was living. Well, yeah. Not happy, but right. satisfied in a way. I don't know how to explain it. But yeah. Yeah. Wow. It is just crazy, man. So I'm, I'm intrigued. I really am. I'm, I'm intrigued. I've been excited to hear your testimony, not because we want to glory the things that you did, yeah. the, you know, the lifestyle that you lived. We're not glorifying that, but it, we're glorifying God, right? We're giving him all the glory and all the praise for the, the lifestyle change. And so now rather than living in repeat every day, you're, you're free. I'm you're, free. you're free. And it's, it literally, for anyone who doesn't know, and, and a lot of our listeners uh, to the Disciples Dialogue uh, know you. They know you personally, um, but a lot of them won't know you. We've got people from 12 different states listening uh, right now, almost 300 total downloads. And so a lot of people who hear this podcast won't know you personally. Yeah. And so for those people, I want to say it it uh, is something that is coming forth, right? So the change that God started on the inside of you, it shows on your face. Yeah. It shows in the way that you smile and the way you talk to people. Uh, and I didn't know you uh, three, you know, six months ago. I didn't know you when you was in that lifestyle. Uh, personally, we didn't hang out. Yeah. But I can tell that there is a joy on the inside that's coming out of you. And so to see that and to know that God made that change, he's the one that did it, that is incredible. I don't even have the words to explain. I think about the Gate City every time I think about it. Yeah. But yeah. that night I was so free. I didn't have no desire to cuss, no desire to smoke, wow. drink, anything. He he is the replacement for all of those things. He is, really. He's not the counterfeit, right? So the the devices that the enemy uses, the drugs, the alcohol, the language, all the things that you know, all the devices of the enemy are a counterfeit, you know, he would like to offer you something 
to replace the joy of the Lord. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't satisfy the hunger, right? And that's why we live in repeat because you're yeah. constantly looking for something more and you never find it. And that's why we, we go from smoking weed to, well, that doesn't, you know, that felt good for a while, but now I need something more. And so you go to Xanax and you go to, uh, taking all these pills and then it's cocaine. It's, it's, it's always looking for the next big thing. Right. Yes. And I, I can relate to that, but with Jesus, there's no, there's no need for a substitute or a next level. He is the fulfillment of all of my desires. Exactly. He fills the void. And he, so that's incredible. He used to look forward to getting high and I look forward to coming to church. My God, that is incredible. I'm telling you right now, I know that there's going to be some people listening to this with a smile on their face uh, when, so. when they hear those words. I used to look forward to getting high. Now I look forward to going to church. Praise God. Um, let me ask you this. Um, do you have a favorite story? I know you've not been in the, in the, in the church for long now, but uh, surely you've been in the word a little bit. You probably opened up your Bible. I know you bring your Bible to church and you've heard the preaching and stuff. So is there anything that jumps out to you in the word of God that, uh, that's really caught your attention or do you have a favorite story in the Bible right now? Well, I never really read the Bible until the last couple of months, and I just started doing a Bible study with Brother Tommy. Okay. And we've went over Moses, Adam and Eve, and mm-hmm. Abraham and all his kids. And, yeah. But there hasn't really been a favorite one yet because okay. I'm still learning. Sure. And that's good. That's the beauty of it, right? So you, you start out in Bible study, and I remember very well, very vividly, I remember my pastor, the Hall family, um, took my family in. And started weekly Bible studies with us when we were, you know, new converts like yourself. And they took us in and walked us, you know, we went through into his marvelous light. We started a 12-week Bible study uh, exploring God's word. And I remember even in the, you know, the creation week when we was going through this chart and Pastor Hall was explaining, you know, the week of creation. And, And I remember my mind being blown because I was beginning to see things in the word of God that I knew I had no idea were in there. And it was amazing to me. And I started asking questions and I, I was hungry for more. And so, uh, but the more you find yourself in the word of God, the more you study it, the more you stay in Bible study, the more you'll find a love for it. Yeah. Tommy's really broke it down, but he's told me this. He said, the more, you know, the more you're held accountable for. Ah, that's true. That's very true. Very true. And, and so, uh, to that, I want, you know, I'm not, I agree with him. I agree with him. The more that you know, the more you are held accountable for that's scriptural. Um, but that should not be a, an excuse not to learn anymore, oh, yeah. you know, because some people would look at it and say, well, oh, if, if that's the case, then I don't want to know any more than what I know now, <laughs> because then, you know, I'm going to have to answer for it. But the more you know about God, the the less you will want to do those things. Yeah that you used to want to do, right? Even if we don't have to do all the things we do and all the rules and everything, mm. I still wouldn't change a thing about how I'm living right now. Amen. Amen. And and to that, I'll say that uh, a good way to look at it is um, a lot of people view them as rules. Yeah. I'll, I view them as guardrails. Yeah. It was just... I should have said that. No, it's good. It's okay. Um, and I used to view it the same way. I used to think, well, man, church is nothing but a bunch of rules. You can't do this, can't go here, can't look like this. And so I didn't like rules. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I was told my whole life growing up that I had a problem with authority. 
and I didn't want nobody telling me what to do. And so when I came into the church and then all of a sudden there's like this whole book that tells me the stuff <laughs> I can't do, I really didn't like it. Like, what? Uh, yeah. And, but when I realized when I flipped it on its head and actually pastor hall taught me, uh, to not view them as rules, but view them as guardrails that, that are there to keep you safe, to keep you from yeah. going over the edge. Yeah, and I was, true. and I was thinking, man, these aren't just rules. They're, they're not to keep me from going and having fun is to keep hell out. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so, uh, all, all great things. Let me ask you, uh, ask you this. What do you not fully understand right now that you would like to know more about? Is there anything, any one thing that jumps to your mind when you think about all the Bible and all the stuff you've heard throughout your life that you're like, I would really like to know more about that. I can't really pinpoint anything at the moment, no. That's okay. So for me, it was always, I I was so inquisitive, I guess you could say, of death. Because I used to fear death. Me too. I would, and I've I've said this on previous episodes, I would uh, go to sleep crying. Uh, many nights I would, you know, and I'm not ashamed to say that now. Um, yeah. I was used to be very prideful and I would never let anybody know that, but I would go to sleep at night crying myself to sleep because I was so scared of not breathing anymore, not being alive, not being conscious. And so when I got into the church and I started my relationship with God, one of the things that I wanted to know about was death. I wanted to understand the you know, what the Bible had to say about it and what I, what would happen to me yeah. when I left this earth because I didn't want to leave. I was so comfortable with my lifestyle, with my sin, with my immorality, um, with all the drugs I was doing and all the lies I was telling. I was so comfortable there yeah. that the thought of not being here anymore, not existing in this life, scared me to my core. And so... For me, it was um, what happens after death, and so. But the Bible, thank God, gives gives an answer to that. It's you know to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. The the Bible says, um, and so. And if I live, if you and I live to the soon return of the Lord, if the Lord comes back and He comes to rapture His church out of here, and we are alive. The Bible tells us what will happen to us there. It says that we will be changed from mortal to immortal, and we will leave this, you know, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall go and meet the Lord in the air. Uh, and we're, you know, we go to the marriage supper, and, and this is not an end-time yeah. uh, study that I'm wanting to do right now, but I'm just uh, talking about this question that I had. We will go and have this marriage supper with the Lord and come back to the earth. Uh, there'll be a thousand year millennial reign. I know what's going to happen. I'm, and so because now I know, because I, I studied the Bible, I was taught the, the scriptures. Uh, I know there's, I have an answer to that question. Now what happens to me when I die? And it's not, um, it's not that I cease to exist, but I just won't, it'll be a different way of existing. Yeah. I will be with the Lord forevermore and there will be no fear. There will be no pain, no tears. And brother Caleb, people like yourself and myself and many of these listeners who were on the verge of suicide, that's, that's a feeling that 
we don't understand. We can't comprehend because all we know is pain. It's a very scary place to be. It is. But thank God, thank God that I have this blessed hope that I don't have to feel those thoughts anymore. I don't have to feel that, that the, the anger, the, the pain, uh, and the, the depression, which is ever so real today. Depression's a real thing. It's insane how real it is. It's, it's very real. And, and so we, even as apostolic believers, you know, it's almost taboo to talk about depression and anxiety and yeah. fear and well, all these things should not exist within the church. And if you have depression then you're not apostolic, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't, I don't, I don't subscribe to that way of thinking. I believe that depression is real, but I don't believe that it's God will God's will for us to have depression. Yeah. I believe that he can heal us from that. I do too. And I believe that God can heal us from suicidal thoughts. And he did. And he did. <laughs> and so you're living proof of that. You're, you're, you are a walking miracle. I'm living proof. And I've, over my years, probably over the last six years, I've lost over five friends. One of them to suicide and the other one is just natural mm. stuff happening to him. But death so, did scare me a lot too, just because of that. So these are people that you were close to, close to who one of them took, took his own life. Yeah. And that could have been you. It could have been, but something saved me. The Lord. Yeah. God the saved Lord me. saved Not you something. for a reason, right? It was for a reason. I think so for sure. He, he definitely, he doesn't, you know, and I've heard it said like this and I'll, I'll say this, I'll make mention of it. Some people tend to think that, you know, the Lord saves you for you. But I've also heard it said like this. I believe it was your dad who told me the Lord doesn't save you just for you. Of course, he wants you to be saved, but he saves you for someone else. Yeah. Right. Because he he knows that there's somebody that Caleb Blake knows, a friend, a family member that you can reach and you can win that soul to the Lord but he's got to have you on his side to do it. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty much what Caleb Coke was talking about this morning. Exactly. That overflowing puddle and how you need to yes. take it out and overflow into people. Absolutely. We should not just hoard the blessings of the Lord. Exactly. And so, and that's really what drives this podcast and what drives my ministry, my life, my way of thinking, and everything that I do. I'm not perfect. I, I make many mistakes, but what drives me to do the things that I do like this podcast, for example, is because God has been so good to me and he changed my life. He took me from a very broken state and he cleaned me up and he filled me with his spirit and he saved my soul, saved my family. And because he did that, I want to use the rest of my life reaching other people. And and I see this podcast as just another way to do that, to reach people that maybe I never would have been able to reach before. Yeah, I know. Just like the uh, reach out we had at Radford University last week. Yes. I was talking to people, and they said all they do is drink on the weekends, and I spilled my whole testimony to them. Wow. <laughs> and all of them was like about to cry, honestly. Wow. And so there you are. You're doing, you are literally doing the Lord's work. I'm already doing it. I want to do more. Do more. Yeah. The Lord... There's no plateau. If I can give you some advice um, that I believe is important for a new convert, and and I know that you've got great friends here in the church and you've got great peers, um, but as a, as a friend and a brother in the church, I would tell you and other listeners as well, um, never get to a place to where you think that you have arrived. Oh, yeah. Because there are That's no good. plateaus in the Lord. 
There's not at all. There, there's no place, not even the pastor of this church, not even the general superintendent of the UPCI, none of us can ever reach a point in our relationship with God to where he uh, says that's enough. You're always you, going to keep growing. You always keep growing. That's right. And so as long as you keep that mentality, I've got more that I can do, more to offer God. I've not done enough yet. I've not reached my last friend yet, my last lost loved one. I've, I've got more Bible studies to teach. I've got more prayers to pray. I've got more fasting to do. As long as you keep that mentality, then God will use you in so many ways. Just within the last month, I mean, I've seen this post on Facebook. This guy needed some food. He didn't have any money. I took him food after everybody in the comments was like, it's a scam, don't do it. Something just told me to do it, which was God, I know now. Yeah. And here, two weeks later at Easter service, the guy I gave food to shows up to church. Yes, he did. An hour away, almost, from where I gave him the food at. Wow. And both of them got baptized now. It's just <laughs> insane, man. He's already using me. And they were taught a Bible study? Yeah, they're doing Bible studies right now. Ain't that amazing? And so God uses the obedience of one a sinner, somebody who almost took his own life, no. who just a few months ago was lost and undone, but now is doing the work of the Lord and being his hands and his feet. That is an incredible testimony, Brother, Brother Blake. And when they came here, they was homeless, and the pastor got them a job. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's all just, it's crazy, man. I had cold chills that whole service when yeah. we walked in. Oh, yeah. And it it just shows to what lengths the Lord will go to reach a soul. And so he may have very well saved you. And there again, it goes back to the point. He doesn't just save you for you. Of course, the Lord wanted Caleb Blake to be saved, but it wasn't just you. He had these other individuals in mind. He said, okay, well, I'm going to work on Caleb Blake. And when I save him, then he's going to go reach this one. They're going to go reach this one. And it's a, it's a ripple effect. And so Literally, the the entire world is evangelized and reached because of one person's obedience and how good God is. He's an all-loving God. He is. And I said this morning during men's fellowship breakfast, we have a, a time for testimonies. And we give everybody an opportunity to testify and tell how good the Lord's been to you and just say whatever you want to say. And that's always probably a favorite part. Uh, of the entire get together. But I, I really felt in my spirit this morning that the Lord, I just wanted to give thanks for his consistency. Yeah. Because I am inconsistent, right? Me too. We are because, you know, and it's not that we should beat ourselves up and we should quit on God and throw in the towel because we, we won't ever get it all the way right. That's not how we should view it, but we are human, we are flawed, and we are inconsistent. Yeah, exactly. Some days we have it right, some days we don't get it right, and we see that in the apostles, we see that in Thomas, doubting Thomas, we see that in Peter, you know, he one day he's on the mountaintop and he's walking, he's Jesus' right-hand man, the next day he's, you know, giving up and denying that he even knows Jesus, yeah. and and so not much has changed over the last couple thousand years humans uh generally speaking are inconsistent but god is always consistent he's always there even when you're not there for him yeah he never gives up ever he he's he's the the, the old song says he's an on time god mm-hmm. you so you know so me and you some people are 
uh, on time. You know, some people are not on time. I know I won't say any names, but I know a couple of friends who are going to listen to this who know that they're not always on time. And uh, I like to be punctual. I like to be on time. I like to be early for stuff. But there are times, Brother Blake, that I will I will, I will, will admit that I have been late to events and I have uh, not showed up when I was supposed to show up. But that's never been said of God. I've always been on time to church. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> God never, he never shows up a minute late. And even when we think that he's not showing up, he's working, he's working and he will show up not a minute too late. Uh, and so, and that's that feeling you felt when you said you were sitting there with the, with the shotgun thinking about taking your own life. And it was something that spoke to you and just said, don't, you know, don't do it. I was just sitting there asking why God, why make me feel this pain? And then the whole time it wasn't God. God's the last person that wants to make you feel like that. That's true. The devil plays mind games. It's yeah. just crazy. Wow. He sure does. And he's a liar. And the Bible says he's the father of all lies. And there's no truth in him. Uh, talking about the devil. And and so I tell people, I tell new converts all the time, um, friends, coworkers, I say, listen, uh, you know, whatever the devil is speaking into your life, then you need to believe the exact opposite because he is a liar and he can't tell the truth. And so if he tells you you're a loser, that must mean that you're a winner. If he says you're not valuable, that must mean that you are very valuable because he's a liar. The devil was probably the hardest part or hardest month of me being a new convert. Yeah. Because I would come to church, hear stuff, be amazing, having a great time. As soon as I get in the car, I'm bawling on the way home. Really? It's just like just he's talked everything out of me. Wow, it's crazy how he does it, dude. He goes it. to work. That I often say that the the mind is the battlefield. Yeah, right. So is. if he can get your mind, then you know the the rest of you is gonna gonna follow suit. Yeah. Um, because okay. what enters into your mind will eventually find its way into your heart, yeah. and what enters into your heart will eventually come and make itself known through your words, through your hands, your actions. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to guard our minds, Brother Caleb. We've got to, the Bible says that uh, we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Uh, actually, the last episode that I did uh, with Brother Caleb Dehart, we talked about that, the transferring, uh, transforming of the renewing of our mind. Um, and so the mind is a critical place. And he wants to attack the mind of new converts. He wants you to question as soon as you walk out of this building, as soon as you hear the good preaching, as soon as you hear, you know, leave Bible study, he wants to get in your mind and cause you to question. It's crazy. Ain't that crazy? As soon as I started speaking in tongues and left Gate City, I was like, did I really speak in tongues or am I and crazy? <laughs> that That is, I guarantee you, that is probably, I won't say 100%, but probably 99%. Of people like yourself, like me, yeah, that's exactly. I felt the same way. I thought, as soon as I spoke in tongues for the first time, as soon as I was obedient to that feeling, that presence of God that came on me, and I was obedient to it, and I spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. As soon as I did, I had that same thought enter into my mind: "Oh, you just made that up. Exactly, You're just acting." It's exactly what I thought. Yeah, but that's the devil. It he is. wants you to call. You know, he calls this question. His tricks are very old, and so you're going through Genesis right now in your Bible studies, likely, or you've come through Genesis, and so we see that the very first tactic 
that uh, the devil used with Eve was yeah. he got her to question, did God really say, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so it's the same tricks for you and me. And so we, the Bible says that we're not ignorant of his devices. We shouldn't be ignorant. Mm-hmm. He uses the same old routine every time. You know, the devil's on repeat. Yeah, he is. You talked about being on repeat. Well, the devil is on repeat. He just does the same stupid things over and over and over. And sadly, many of us succumb to that. I know. It took a lot. If it wasn't for the church family in this church, I probably would have backslid. And that's just because how strong the devil was coming at me. Yeah. And everybody here has just been so amazing. If it wasn't for Brother Joey and Tommy and all of them, they've really just been the best. So... That's a great segue. I want to, I want you to expound upon that a little bit. What was your experience coming into this church? Now we're not. I'm not trying to blow up uh, this church just because I go here, just because yeah. I'm a minister or whatever. I, I want you to speak truthfully um, and tell people, tell me, and tell people how you really felt when you came into this church and you met these people for the first time and you got to know us. What was the response? How did people treat you? I was really uncomfortable because I've never felt that welcomed in my life. Oh, so you you were uncomfortable because the welcome was yeah. so strong. Yeah, it was like I'd been going here my whole life. Wow. It's just, I don't know how to explain it down to the T, but yeah, I was uncomfortable. That's, so you were welcomed, you were you were treated yeah. like an individual? I was treated like better than I've ever been treated in my life. Wow. So you were shown love? Yeah. And... Was that uncommon for you to have been shown love and compassion? In a way, yeah, because like once I got my whole life turned around, I lost all my old friends. All they wanted to do was get high, I guess. But yeah, that's beside the point. They're yeah. in the past now. But mm. yeah, I guess I never really had that relationship with my old friends like that. But this church, everybody in this church, I'm not just going to single out one person. They have all just been like family. Yeah, I have like. 40 family members now. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. When you come into the family of God, uh, and I, I can attest to this, that is, it's a great feeling to, and I was the same way when Pastor Hall and his family, they taught us Bible studies and won us to the Lord. We are a direct um, example of what a Bible study can do. Um, so we are the product of, of a Bible study, but the love, I can agree with that. Uh, the love because uh, I came into this, and I've told people before, but I'll tell you, I came into the church hating churches, hating, yeah. not trusting anyone, especially preachers. And so I gave my pastor a very hard way to go in the beginning, and I, I would question everything that he did and his motives, and and he loved me yeah. in spite of all of that that I brought to the table, in spite of my arrogance and my disbelief and my judgment um, that I brought to the table, he simply made himself and his family did make themselves available and and just showed us love and that they cared. And so when I realized, hey, these people aren't just acting here. These people really care, you know. When I realized that, I was thinking, where has this been my whole life? Because this is not how the world acts. The world is terrible right now, man. It is. It's full of sin. It is. But but there are people who still care. There are still genuine people. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to know that I am a part of that, that family, 
that that loves people regardless of where they come from, regardless of what they've been involved in. Now, you could have stepped in, stepped foot into a church. Let's just say that you came to this church and, you know, we found out that you was doing drugs and we shunned you. We judged you and said, oh, God can't do nothing with them, nothing with Brother Caleb Blake because he's a druggie. He's a nobody. He won't ever amount. He's got to get cleaned up before the Lord can do anything with him. But that's not what you felt, is it? Not at all. And I've seen, I'm not going to call any names, but I've seen one or two people come in here that are on some substances. Yeah. And we just make them like family. Everybody walks up, hugs them. God. And you know why? It's because that's what Jesus would do. Yeah, exactly. Jesus said, I didn't come to save anyone but those who need the physician. Mm -hmm. Those who aren't sick don't need a physician, but that's who I've come to to save were were those who need a physician. And so Jesus would welcome anyone, every drug dealer, every drug addict, every alcoholic, every prostitute. I mean, we see it in the scripture, but not only in the scripture, but even today, if he can save me, if he can save your dad, if he can save you, He'll welcome anybody. And if we are an extension of Jesus Christ, if we are his body, then how can we judge people and say, you know, and and say they're not worthy to be here because they come in and they're high. We should welcome them. Yeah, exactly. We should welcome them with open arms and love them to the cross. Um, let me, let me, change gears here a little bit. I want to ask you a question. What are some of the major challenges, or even if you just think of one, that would be fine. Major challenges for a new convert today. Are there any challenges that you can think of? Mainly just the devil contemplating everything that you believe. So, okay. So let's, let's take it a little bit further. What, what steps are you taking as a new convert to respond to that, the devil coming against you. What are you doing? Anytime I have those thoughts, I just pray. Prayer. Prayer works. Prayer is the best thing for it. And rebuke the devil in Jesus' name. That's right. If we are submitted to God, the Bible says, submit yourselves, therefore, unto God, and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Mm-hmm. But we must be submitted to God, right? Yeah. And so when you submitted to God, your life, you gave all the drugs up, you gave all the the facade, the every, whatever you was doing, you gave it up, and you submitted your life to him. That's how he was able to fill you with the Holy Ghost, mm-hmm. and you were able to receive it. Um, but when you submitted to God, now you have the authority to resist the devil and pray, and he leave you. That's still one of the hardest things, though, still. Even praying, it's still really hard. So I'm saying if anybody, if I see anybody that's a newcomer to church, that's what I tell them. I'm like, no matter what the devil tells you, no matter what you be, you study in church and mm-hmm. get off out of church and don't believe it, don't believe that. Yeah, You got to go against everything that you think is true. I don't know how to explain what you said. You got to go against everything that the devil's saying, the complete right. opposite. Yep, the complete opposite. And so, but unfortunately, the devil... Uh, you know, the Bible, even from the, the Garden of Eden as the serpent, the Bible says that the serpent was more subtle than any other. You know, that word subtle, if you look it up and you study it, it means cunning, crafty. Um, and so he, the the adversary, the devil, he kind of 
uses a very crafty way sometimes to manipulate your thinking, to manipulate your thought process, and to cause you to question. And we've already talked about the battlefield of the mind. We've already talked about um, how he likes to play mind games. Um, But we have to have those guardrails that we talked about also in our in place so that when the devil comes in, you don't, you don't go over the edge and you don't quit on God and say, well, I, you know, I'm a failure and I'm not going back to church. Mm-hmm. There's got to be something on the inside that draws you back. Even when you mess up. Yeah. Right. Let me ask you, and, and you can be honest. Have you messed up on any front on any level since you've been coming to church? Yeah. Of course, right? Every day. Every day. Me too. And so it's not a judgment thing. Every one of us mess up all the time. And so with you being honest enough to say that, that's okay. But you're still coming. Mm -hmm. You're still trying. Every day. And so the devil can't do anything with that. As long as you are continuing and, and you're willing to get back up after being knocked down, and when you make a mistake, you pray about it. You say, God, forgive me, but I'm not quitting. As long as you can do that, the devil can do nothing with you. But it's those who, when they fall, refuse to get back up. That's when the devil wins. Yeah, they just think, well, since I messed up, God don't want to do nothing with me now. Mm. You just got to keep praying. And that's a very real feeling, isn't it? Yeah. That, you know, when you mess up, well, man, God's God must be done with me. He doesn't. I'll just give up. And another thing I'll add on to that, uh, the new convert, you expect change immediately. Mm. And that's not the case. Oh, wow. Talk about that. Talk about that because that's a very real feeling. I've felt that. I'll guarantee you every convert has felt that. So expound upon that if you would. Just like paying your tithes, for instance. Okay. That's one of the things. You can pay your tithes every Sunday, and it's not going to be an immediate reaction. It's going to be gradual. Wow. And even if you don't even notice what he's doing, he's doing something behind the scenes. Wow. He's got to keep faith. That's all it is. It's faith. It's a process. It is. It is. And that's incredible. Uh, I'll be honest with you, it puts a smile on my face, and it's incredible to see that you already understand that principle. That's a principle in the Word of God that the Bible says that they who endure till the end, the same shall be saved. Mm-hmm. But endurance is a process. Yeah. Right. If we didn't have to go through some stuff, then we would have no need to endure. Pretty much like prayer too. People pray and then like, why didn't God answer my prayers? Mm. They won't. Maybe he's lucky. Maybe they're glad he didn't answer their prayers because that's not what they needed. Right. <laughs> that's really good. That's really good. And and so some people I've heard it said that they have a microwave prayer life. Mm. Can you elaborate on that? A microwave because we live in a generation now where we do everything in the microwave. You know, you stick a burrito in the microwave in two minutes and you've, you're ready to eat. Um, but we've gotten away from the slow cooker, right? So if you want a real good home cooked meal, it's going to take preparation. It's going to take more time. It's going to take a lot more work, but the meal is so much better than what you can get in a microwave. That's pretty good. And so the generation we live in right now is a microwave generation. They want it right now. You know, you see this in advertisement that they put, you know, it's uh, J.G. Wentworth. It's my money, and I want it now, <laughs> right? Yeah. And and so uh, I think it's uh, 
Burger King, maybe have it your way, or maybe that's McDonald's, one of the fast food chains. Yeah, it's one of them. I can't remember. Have it your way. Uh, and so that's the whole generation. They want it their way, and they want it right now. Yeah. And so if we if we let that infiltrate into our prayer life, and we say, God, I want a miracle right now, and if it doesn't happen today, then you're not real. Mm-hmm. Or I'm quitting on you if I don't get healed after I, I come up here and let the pastor lay hands on me. I'm just going to give up on church because my back still hurts. They should say, I want a miracle, and I know you can do it. Yeah. Whenever that may be, that's up to him. I don't care. It's 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 God timing. Mm-hmm. It's not my timing. God's an all timing God. He is an on time God. Amen. That that's really really good stuff, brother Caleb. Really good stuff. A uh, couple other questions. Just a couple more questions before we wrap up the day here. Let me ask you this: What would you say, or how would you reach the old you if you were to meet that person today? If the old Caleb Blake came walking in the day, a drug addict, uh, somebody a depressed and wanting suicidal thoughts, if you met that man today, what would you say to him? Well, the old me, you couldn't have told me nothing. Mm. It's like you said, you're hard headed, didn't want to, didn't want any authority. Yeah, didn't want to listen to nobody, and that's how I was. Yeah, that's why whenever uh, my brother Jesse's wife Julie, she said Caleb's coming to Gate City. I don't care what he says, he's coming. Yeah. That was BC me, and I was like, yeah, right, I'm not going to Gate City. Mm-hmm. And the day of, I was like, I think I'm going to go to Gate City. <laughs> Something else is God. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know really. I don't really know what I would tell myself. Probably get me off of weed sooner. Yeah. Because I smoked it every day for six years. Mm. All time, every day. Wow. Before work, after work, before I went to sleep, before I ate. Yeah. Every day. So, and I would imagine, and I've seen you do it, so I, I don't just have to say I imagine. I, I know. I know this because I've seen it. That you, it may not be in the words that you even say, but it's in the actions. It's in the, when you see a need, mm-hmm. meeting the need, right? So when you saw the one on Facebook who was hungry, didn't have any food, you you didn't necessarily speak a lot of words, maybe, but you met the need. Oh, you, I did. I took him the food, and he said, thanks. I said, don't thank me. Thank God. There you go. So that's not a lot of words. You didn't preach to him. Didn't tell him anything about our church. Didn't tell him nothing. And then two weeks later, two weeks later, he walks through the doors of the church. Only God can do that. And the week after that, he got baptized and he brought his brother with him because he was homeless at that time. And so wisdom is not found in the amount of words that you can speak. Mm -hmm. Right. It's it's more important to love people than it is to preach to people. Yeah, exactly. And I and I want that to I want these hearers, everybody listening to this podcast today, I want you to hear that because I feel the Lord right now. Uh and I'm not trying to be super spiritual or anything, but I do I know the presence of the Lord and so I feel that that is something that he wants everyone who who listens to this to to understand. You might be a great preacher, you might be able to to expound greatly upon the the Torah or the book of Revelation or what have you. You might know all kinds of things about the Scripture, but it is more important to love people and to treat them the, the way that Jesus would treat them than it is to preach to them. Yeah, because when I was living in sin, the last thing I wanted was somebody to preach to me. Wow. But somebody to love me, I would have took that any day over preaching. <sighs> that's 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 great. So, yeah, that's very true. Mm. 
Mm-mm-mm. Okay, last question. What's next for you? What's what's your plan? What do you want? What do you want God to do in your life? Whatever he wants me to do. <laughs> That's a good good answer. I don't have anything. I mean, I do want to be a general contractor, but yeah. I know if it's his will, it'll happen. There you go. So whatever you're 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 open for whatever the Lord places in your life, whatever he's got planned for you, you're just ready to to serve him. Mm-hmm. I pray for him to guide my steps every day. That's incredible. Listen, folks, if you think that I'm I'm feeding this man information and answers to say, I'm not. This is uh, completely unscripted. Um, you and I have not talked about your answers. I had a ton of notes, and I put them down. I'm not even on notes right He's now. He's not even, not even reading his notes. He's literally answering from his heart, but I'm telling you, these are the answers that please God. These are the answers that will help people if they will listen to it. You have a great testimony, Brother Blake. You have a great testimony. You've got a good heart. You are, your light is shining. And and I've talked to my wife. I've talked to other people in the church. And it's just something about you. And it, well, I know what it is. It's the Holy Ghost inside of you yeah. that brings joy into a room. And, and you are going to mightily affect and impact the kingdom of God. He's going to use you. I don't know in what way, but... He's going to use you if you'll if you'll just let him. He's going to use you greatly. If you knew how many people told me that, he'd probably have cold chills right now. Yeah, I do. I don't doubt it a bit. <laughs> I don't doubt it a bit. Well, listen, thank you so much, Brother Blake, for coming and being a part of the Disciples Dialogue. Thank you for spending time with me and talking to me today. We're so grateful that you came on to this episode. I'm really glad to be here, man. I'm hoping my testimony will reach somebody. It absolutely will. There's no doubt in my mind. And so for all the listeners today, we thank you for joining us. Thank you for hanging out with us today. We hope that this this dialogue, this testimony uh, proves to reach the masses. We, we pray that uh, the testimony of Brother Caleb Blake will uh, reach into your heart and, and make a change. Let the Word of God and, and the Spirit of the Lord come upon you and change your life because God wants to do uh, what he did not only in Brother Caleb Blake's life, but also in your life today. And so with that, uh, we, we love you. We're praying for all of the listeners. I do pray um, for the listeners of this podcast episode and, and all the episodes, and I pray that you're blessed wherever you are. Stay tuned. We, we have uh, a lot of stuff going on for the Disciples Dialogue. I'll make a quick plug. Um, I am, I'm only one man trying to do a lot of stuff, but I, I do have the, the disciples dialogue.com, a website up. We've got some merch there that you can go purchase. If you want to, you don't have to, um, we've got stuff going on. I'm, I'm really trying to get to where we can do weekly podcasts. Um, so pray for me, pray for the disciples dialogue that we would do exactly what the Lord wants us to do here. And that it would be a blessing to his kingdom until next time. Be blessed, and we love you all, and we will be talking to you next time.